Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. And at the weekend away, we spoke about the Holy Spirit, and now we're speaking particularly about the gifts of the Spirit. And I was reminded of that film and that particular part of the film where uh, Father Christmas, um, who... who in the film kind of represents the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to the children for the battle to come. So the gifts were not just randomly given, they were given for the battle to come. You saw that each one was given instructions as to what to do with the different gifts that they were given, depending on their role. And he described them as tools and not toys. And if you think about the gifts, the gifts were not given for them to simply use for themselves. Lucy wasn't given that potion to make herself better when she was feeling unwell. It was for the common good. It was for the good of others. And uh, and and if you had if you've ever watched the film leading up to the point where they get the gifts, they're being they're being chased. They're not sure where they're going, what they're doing. They're right in the middle of things. They're right in the middle of things. And it felt very relevant for us to um, having got to this point where at the weekend away, we kind of said, look, the foundations have been laid and now God wants to equip us for the battle to come. And that there are gifts to be given out to us and that those gifts are tools and not toys and we're to bear them well and we're to use them with wisdom. And so we're beginning to just look at that. We don't know how long that will go on for, but it's important that we just look uh, at that. So we're we're doing this little series, Teach, Ask, Practice. Tap, tap. I had to come up with something. So um, tapping into the Holy Spirit or tap something. Exploring the gifts of the Holy Spirit through teaching, asking and practicing. And what we've talked about over this time is that we will talk about this on a Sunday. Maybe we'll pray. Maybe we won't get a chance to pray here. But in our groups, we will begin to encourage and equip one another when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Our aim is this, that we would become we would be able to identify the gifts that God has given us. Yeah. And we wouldn't be like really, oh, I'm not so sure, you know, maybe. No, we would identify clearly. These are the gifts that I believe God has given me. These are the gifts I'm asking God for. If it, remember last week I talked about my desire to have greater discernment. I'm asking God, God, give me the gift of discernment. Let me be able to discern. Let me have the gift of wisdom. Let me understand. So we're asking God for gifts that we would um Uh, then become very familiar and comfortable in the use of the gifts of the spirit that God has given us. And we would exercise those gifts, not just on a Sunday in the meeting or even in our groups, although I hope we do exercise the gifts in those two settings, but also just in our lives. Yeah, it was really interesting listening to Nick's testimony, wasn't it? Because one of the things that you could say is what Nick saw in Lally was something of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he didn't know that was what it was. And I doubt whether Lally said, you know, I'm going to teach you about the Holy Spirit here. But what he saw in Lally was the work of God in the life of someone. And when he came up 
face to face with that, he knew, oh my goodness, there's, there's a problem. I don't, something I don't have. Something I don't have. And, and even Lally's words to him were almost quite prophetic. You need to find purpose because it unlocked something in him. You know, I can go around saying the word purpose. It doesn't always do for people what it did for Nick when Lally said it to him. Yeah, It's the Holy Spirit that's at work. And so we want to see, don't we, the gifts of the Holy Spirit being used in such natural ways, ordinary ways, everyday ways, because they unlock things. They bring life. They change things. And so that's where we're going. They're not for ourselves. They're not for introspection. They're not for self-indulgence, but they're for the mission. They're for the common good. They're for others. Sorry, I just stood up and I got right into right into talking. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm really keen that that's where we go, that we feel equipped and that over time we can tell more stories. There'll be more stories. They might not be exactly like the Nick and Lally story, um, but there'll be other stories where things have been unlocked in people because of the Holy Spirit in you and your willingness to speak out um, what God has put in your heart to speak. So last week we looked at the first part of 1 Corinthians 12 um, and uh, I think in the groups that they looked at that. And now we're looking at the second part of 1 Corinthians 12 where there's a second list of gifts of the spirit. We're just going to look at look at this passage, look at those gifts. Some of them are the same. So we'll just be repeating it. But some of them are the same. Um, and then remember, our aim is, Father, I want more of the gifts you've given me. And maybe for you, there's one or two particular gifts that you're asking God for. Well, I'll be encouraging you to do that. OK, so let's look 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. And it's up there. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Also, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer to all of those is no. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Father, we thank you that you've been present with us as we've just been together this morning. And I pray, Father, that you will continue to encourage and equip our hearts and courage and encourage and equip our lives for all that you've called us to do we pray in Jesus name amen. amen you are the body of Christ so the bible often uses metaphors to describe what we think of as the church it uses the body it uses the temple it uses other things i can't even remember what they all are but but it's this idea of a complete whole thing yeah, that although we might live in a world where 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 we really promote the individual and individuality in the end, God promotes the church. He promotes the body that we represent something together, uh, which means that I can't do any. I can't do it all on my own. I don't represent the body of Christ on my own. Yeah, I'm not a self-made church or anything like that. The church is the body. It's coming together. 
that's what we are. We are the body of Christ. It's about our connectedness, our need of one another, as well as our need of him. You might not think it, but you need the people around you. Yeah, you need them. Now, there, there was um, uh, they were in, in a group. I was talking to uh, a couple of guys the other day and they, they were in group and somebody brought a tongue in the group and somebody brought an interpretation, which is wonderful, isn't it, that that, that happened. If that person hadn't brought the tongue, that person who had the gift of interpretation could never have exercised it. They needed one another. And we need one another. We need one another. We're the body of Christ. And then it says each one of you is a part of it. And this is really important. But this is also a real challenge for many of us, because some of us um at one level, we quite like being a part of something, but there's another part of us that's like, do you know what? I just like to be on the edge. I'm one of those back row people just seeing, looking, observing, making sure. Hmm. Yeah. Some of us are like that, aren't we? Or we wake up and we go, oh, do you know what? I just can't be bothered this morning. And what we forget is our presence there makes a difference. Yeah. When you miss church now, please don't please don't mishear me. Yeah. Because here I'm in danger now of being misheard about church and stuff. I don't keep registers. You'll rarely hear me say, are you going to be there next week or where are you? You'll rarely hear me say those words. Yeah. Because in the end, it's entirely, it's entirely up to you. But you do need to understand when we're missing, we're missed. Yeah. I may never you might not get a call from me. And you might think to yourself, oh, the pastor never called me. I've done the church for weeks and he's never you're missed. Why? And you're missed because you're part of the body and each one of us has a particular part to play. You might think to yourself, well, I don't know what my part is. Yeah, I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. Am I meant to be free? What am I meant to be doing? You might not yet know that. And part of our walking through the gifts of the spirit is that in time we will discover. Oh, this seems to be the part that I can play. This seems to be the place where I fit. So each one of you is a part of it. And uh, and so whilst we're here, we're here together. And this is this is the church. And you remember last week and I did say I would steal this. Lucy used that phrase from her mum. Bloom where you've been planted. I love that. Yeah, I love that phrase. And in fact, when Phil heard the phrase later in the week, he said, oh, Owen's going to pick that up. And he was right because I had already picked it up. I'd already got it. Bloom where you've been planted. The, the truth is, in time, God might call any one of us to do different things and to go and to do different things and be in different places. That might happen. And that's fine. That's the blessing of God if he does that. But when you do that, wouldn't it be wonderful if you were really clear in your gifts? Because when you were here, you, you learned about your gifts and you, you became very comfortable in the things that God has called you to do and the gifts that you had to bring. So you didn't walk into another place thinking, OK, where do I fit? You walked into another place knowing actually God's given me gifts and, and I'm part of the body and I have a part to play. in. So we all have a part to play. Each of us has a part to play. It's really easy when you're, you know, like when you play football or cricket, it's really easy because, you know, oh, I'm the right back. That's where I used to play. In fact, I used to start. I started off as a forward, right wing, right midfield, right back because I, I needed to run less. Yeah. The further back I came, the easier it was for me to play and just go, well, I can't run up anymore. I'm just going to stay here. So so I, I just moved back. 
But when I was playing right back, that, that was just my position. Yeah, it was really easy to know. I'm the right back. There's a left back. There's a striker. He scores most of the goals. He gets most of the glory. There's no point in me. I can't do what he does. Yeah. So, so there's this recognition that we have different gifts and we have a, each have a different part to play. We're not trying to compete with one another. And it's sovereign. It's a sovereign thing. So what that means is if you come into a church and you see someone who seems to have the same gift that you, but maybe in greater measure, it's not for you. Your role is not then to go, I don't know why you brought me here, God, because this person does all the things I would do. Yeah. If they weren't doing that, I would be doing that. And that's where I was in my old church. I was doing the things that they're doing. Now I can't do them here. So what am I meant? No, it's not like that. God is sovereign. Yeah. And sovereign means that when God plants you somewhere, we're going to use that phrase again. It's to bloom there. Yeah. It's to become all that God wants you to be there because God has things to teach you wherever you go. If you, if you understand the sovereignty of God, every situation you walk into, every circumstance you find yourself in, you will go. God has things to teach me here. I didn't used to be like that. I didn't used to think that way, but I do think that way now. Yeah. So, as you know, I'm going to Kenya tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, I'm getting Pauline up very early and she's going to drop me at Brixton. And she's complained about it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, she's going to get up early and she'll drop me at Brixton. And, and I'm, I'm going to Kenya and I'm going, God, I don't quite know. Obviously, this opportunity came and blah, 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 blah. I don't quite know what I'm going to do in Kenya. Yeah, I'm not preaching in stadia. I'm not doing anything. Um, but God, I want to know what you want me to learn from this trip. And everywhere I go, everyone I'm meeting, there's this sense of God. God is sovereign in every situation I'm in. Therefore, there are always things for me to learn. And that's how we need to be. So you're a part of the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of it. And the gifts are God appointed. Yeah, they're God appointed gifts. They're not. I've worked really hard at developing this gift. Look what I can do. It's nothing to do with you. I don't mean to burst any bubbles. It's nothing to do with you. God appoints. And we just have to go with that. God appoints. I don't appoint. You don't appoint. God appoints. They're not, they're not in that sense natural, even if you think of it as natural. It's not natural. It's God-given. James 1 tells us, Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So if you have a good gift, it's from God. No matter how natural you think it is, it's from God. It helps to remember it's from God because it just it just puts your own pride in check. When you think to yourself, yeah, I'm just really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. I know people always telling me, yeah, really good at that. <laughs> and then you go, well, someone goes, yeah, but you've got nothing to do with that. Do you know that? That's God. You go, oh, yeah. Okay. Remember, God is always looking for the glory. Yeah. When we look for the glory, that's pride. When God looks for the glory, that's normal. Yeah. And what does it say about the about pride? That God opposes proud people. He's not indifferent to you if you're proud. He opposes you. And you think about that for a lot and you think, oh, OK. The God I love and worship, the creator of all, he opposes me when I'm struggling with my pride stuff. Yeah. So God help me to struggle less in my pride stuff. 
So God has appointed. So now we're just going to look at these nine gifts. So we looked at seven gifts last week. You can add them up if you want. There are lots of different ones. We're going to look at nine gifts this week. Some of them are the same and we're just going to walk through them. And remember, our thing is this. God, what gifts have you given me? Now, if I'm really honest with myself, if I find people who know me and they're honest with me, what would be the gifts that they talk about? What are the gifts that you've given me that I am to use in the battle? I am to use on the mission. I'm not to use my gifts to make myself look better. I'm to use my gifts for the benefit of others. Yeah. Sadly, sometimes, and I know this, I know this for myself, I can use the gifts God has given me to benefit me. And, I, and that's scary. But it's, sometimes it's true. But no, they're to benefit the body. So here are these seven gifts. He called some to be apostles. You remember I talked about the divine ability or the divine enablement. And what I meant by that was it's, it's a God-given gift and he gives you grace to do it. Yeah, a God-given gift in which he gives you grace to do it. You may well have gifts that you don't have any grace to do that thing. Yeah, so so I might be very, I'm not saying I am particularly good at this. Pauline always thought I was good at drama. I'm not very good at drama. Pauline always said that I was good at drama and stuff. And I, but, but in truth, I don't like drama. Yeah, so even if I was meant to be good at drama, I don't have grace for drama. Yeah, I really don't. I don't. I just don't, I just, it's a bit like running. I don't need to run, so I don't. Yeah? So you might feel you need to run. I don't feel I need to run, so I don't run. I don't feel I need to do drama, so I don't do drama. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so, so God gives gifts, but he also gives grace. The grace to handle the gift that he's given you. Yeah? And so, so that, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so apostles the divine ability to start and oversee the development of new churches or ministry structures i mean i would add there to build that the apostle is there to build now there there have been loads of discussions not particularly in our church about our apostles around i I believe in the the apostolic work and the apostles because (laughs) that's how the churches get built they don't get built in any other way yeah God, God, God gives people, even if they don't call themselves apostles, he gives people the apostolic ability to build things, to develop things, to start things. Yeah. So some are called apostles. Now, obviously here he's got apostles, he says first. And so some of us go, yeah, I think I must be an apostle because it's the first gift. Yeah. So we're trying to move away from all those kinds of thoughts. But apostles, secondly, prophets. We've already talked about the gift of prophecy, but prophets, the divine enablement to reveal truth and proclaim it in a timely and relevant manner for understanding, correction, repentance or edification. Yeah. Now, there is a difference between a prophet an apostle and someone who does an apostolic work and someone who has a prophetic gift. Some people, they're prophets. Yeah. And in some ways, I, I mean, Angela has that kind of, she's a prophet. Yeah, there's a guy called Julian Adams. When I read out that prophecy, he's a prophet. Yeah, uh, other people prophesy. Many of us will prophesy, but but we're not necessarily prophets. And we don't want to get caught up with, well, do you know what I want? the uh, No, if you prophesy, wonderful. Eagerly desire. 
Yeah, but there are prophets and God has given prophets. And even into this church, prophets have spoken. Isn't that encouraging? Prophets have spoken. Thirdly, teachers. And okay, you could think to yourself, oh, yeah, I'm a teacher. I'm employed now. I did a degree and I'm a teacher. But it's not quite talking about it could be those teachers, but it might not be those kinds of teachers. It's the gift of teaching the divine enablement, the God given grace gift to understand, clearly explain and apply the word of God, thus causing greater Christ likeness in the lives of listeners. Now, when it speaks of the teaching gift again or teachers, we're not necessarily talking about someone who talks, stands up the front and, and talks like this. Some teachers are brilliant one to one. I mean, Phil is great standing up here, but he's also brilliant one to one. Yeah. If you even see him, uh, even somewhere like Food Bank, he can teach people. Yeah. He's like an, a pastoral evangelist. He can help people understand the gospel in a way that they're not feeling offended or they're not. under. It, he's very, very good at it. Yeah. You get me one to one. You've got a problem. Yeah, not, it's not quite that far, but it is, it's very different to if you get filled to one. People have that ability to teach. Yeah. And that might be something that you go, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You sense that in your spirit. The other way, you know, is when other people go, oh, yeah, that's you. So you have these two ways. You have this sense in yourself and you have other people that confirm it. But teaching. So if you have that ability don't simply think to yourself, well, I'm waiting for the opportunity to be a teacher of the gospel. No, use it. Yes. One of the things you need to do if you feel that you're called to teach is you need to spend time in the word. Yeah. Don't think God's given you the gift of teaching and you can just do it. Oh, he's going to give me this ability. Because if you don't spend time in the word, what you'll do is you'll teach people rubbish. Yeah. You'll, you'll teach them untruth. Yeah. And you also need to be humble enough to to check what you're teaching. Don't think to yourself, well, God's made me a teacher. So that means I have all the abilities to be able to understand all the things. No. Sometimes you need to go, I'm just thinking about this. What do you think? And someone might say, well, actually, if you just look at this and this and then we need to be open. We don't go, well, no, that's your opinion. This is my opinion. Yeah. Teaching is not about passing on opinions. It's about passing on truth. Yeah. And truth is not something that you work out for yourself. It's revealed. Yeah. There are safeguards. When I, when I prepare messages all the time, praying and praying and praying and preparing and preparing and praying and going back to scripture, 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 go to the commentary, commentary, commentary. And then sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll just throw it out to Pauline and go, I'm just thinking about this. It's just like, what on earth do you mean? And then I go, oh, OK, I need to go back. And go, go, go. Yeah. It's revealed. God reveals it. It takes work. Next, those who work miracles. The divine enablement to authenticate the ministry and message of God through supernatural interventions that glorify him. It's really important that they glorify God. Yeah. Do you remember when Jesus did miracles? The purpose of it was that people would believe. Yeah. It wasn't simply he did have compassion, but it wasn't simply about compassion. It was about belief. Yeah. It was a sign that he was the son of God. Yeah. When he parted the waters, when he or when he stilled the waters, when he did the loaves and the fish, all those miracles. It was in order that people would believe and that they would glorify God. It wasn't the miracle itself that was to be the focus. It was to be what the miracle meant. It meant that Jesus was God. So there are those who work miracles. 
There are those who have the, uh, the gift of healing, the divine enablement to be God's means for restoring people to wholeness. And it may be that this is the kind of gift that people think, I've got the gift of healing, but I don't see many people healed. And, and, and there can be a faith thing in that. My encouragement there is if you feel you've got the gift of healing, pray for people to be healed. Yeah, if you feel you've got the gift of teaching, teach people, use it. If you feel you've got the gift, use it. And if you remember, in another passage, it says that you use your gifts in accordance with the faith that you have. So the more you use something, the more you see things happen, the greater your faith will grow. And then the gift of helping. This passage talks about the, oh, the passage is gone, but the, the gift of helping the divine enablement to attach spiritual value to the accomplishment of practical and necessary tasks that free up support and meet the needs of others. Food bank is a help. <coughs> it's a help. But it's only a help as long as we attach the spiritual value to it. It's, it, it, it. If we don't attach any spiritual value to what we do, whether it's food bank, cap or anything, it, it, it's a good work. But actually, it doesn't do what it's meant to do. God has gifted people among us who can help. Yeah, who show compassion. Who can do who can do practical tasks, but let, let, letting them free to do it. Attaching spiritual value, people come to faith through those helps. People come into the body through the helps. Next, the gift of administration, the divine enablement to understand what makes an organisation function and the special ability to plan and execute procedures that accomplish the goals of the ministry. Oh, it's a wonderful gift if you have it. And it's a wonderful gift for someone who doesn't have it, but who's involved in an organisation. Yeah, that there are people who have that gift and are willing to exercise that gift and are released to do it. Guidance or shepherding, the divine enablement to nurture, care for and guide people toward ongoing spiritual maturity and becoming like Christ. Guidance and teaching can work together. Those two gifts can work together. Some people have this gift and it would we would do well to listen to them. We would do well to listen to them because sometimes we think guidance is like an optional opinion. So, so you say, well, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about I was thinking about, um, you know, giving up work and just just hanging out. So I'm thinking about doing I'll come and tell you that. And some of you go, great. It's wonderful that you want to do that. Someone else might go, Really? Is that really wise? Is that really? And give some thoughts. And I'll go, well, yeah, OK, I, I hear what you say, but, you know, I feel I feel to do this. Guidance is, is, is really, really helpful. If The Bible says in Proverbs, it talks about seek the counsel of others, seek wisdom, that, that you don't have the, the monopoly on wisdom. I don't have the monopoly on wisdom. And don't just seek wisdom from people like, like your best friends. It's good, obviously, to speak to your best friend, but you don't just go, oh, I was thinking of doing this. They go, oh, wonder, that's great. Yeah. And then you go to your, your pastor, or your elder, or your small group leader, and you go, I was thinking of doing this. And they go, they want to go, it's great, but they know it's not great. Seek, seek wisdom, seek proper wisdom from people. Guidance is so important. It's so important because so many of us can make just make decisions. We think, well, no, actually, it's my life. And this is your life. 
Yeah, you choose to do what you want to do, and that is that is absolutely fine to do it. But but if you want to do the best thing for your life, seek wisdom. Seek God, but seek wisdom as well. Don't don't just think, well, I was asking God about it, and God seemed to say it was fine. Because what if I said to you one day, God told me it's okay to leave Pauline. All of you would say, no, he didn't. <laughs> I would say, he did. I prayed. Do you know what? I prayed for hours and hours and hours and hours. I fasted and I prayed and I came away at the end and I sensed God told me to leave Pauline. You'd go, no, he didn't. I don't care how many hours you prayed. I don't care what you think. He did not tell you that. How do you know God didn't tell me that? Because the Bible tells you. The Bible tells you what marriage is like. The Bible tells you about faithfulness. God's not going to tell you something that he that is contrary to what he's already said. He's never going to tell you to do something that he doesn't say in the scripture to do. Yeah, he's not going. He's never going to tell you something that's contrary. God doesn't tell you to lie. Yeah, we all lie. We do. We do. We, yeah, and then we and we repent and all that. But we do do that. You say, "No, God told me to lie." No, He didn't. You chose to lie. Yeah, God doesn't tell you to do things that he's told you not to do. Do you understand what I mean? He never does that. He's never inconsistent in what he says in his word. Guidance is so important. And then tongues. The divine enablement to speak, worship or pray in a language unknown or unlearned by the speaker. It's a wonderful gift. When you speak in tongues personally, it edifies you. When you speak in tongues and there's an interpretation, it edifies the church. So use the gifts. Just a couple of things that's important to note. And I mentioned these before, but just, well, this one I mentioned before. We don't all have the same gifts. Yeah. And I think we just need to just accept that. There needs to come a point where we go, I don't have the same gifts as other people. And the truth is, I don't have the same measure of gifts as other people. But that's OK. Yeah. It would have been a bit bizarre, wouldn't it? When we watched that Narnia clip, if Lucy turned to Father Christmas and said, why haven't I got a sword like Peter? You'd have thought, oh, maybe your role's a bit different, Lucy. Maybe you're a bit smaller. You need something different. We don't all have the same gifts. We are not all apostles. We do not all speak in tongues. And that's OK. Yeah. And and here we're not going to set gifts up against one another. Well, you know, these are the people with the big gifts. These are the people with the no. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's what it says. So you've got to hold this tension of we don't all have the same gifts and that's OK. But I'm always desiring for more gifts. If you speak in tongues, maybe you want a desire to interpret. Maybe if you're if you if if you maybe if you exercise healing, you want to you you're, you're praying that you could you could work miracles. I don't know, but we're always desiring. It's OK to desire. It even says eagerly desire. Other things we need to be aware of, particularly this is I'm thinking particularly when we're getting into our groups and we're talking about this and we're praying about this. There can be, and Phil and I were talking about this the other day, there can be among us a kind of a cultural reticence to acknowledge our gifts. What are your gifts? Well, you know, 
I don't know. I don't really want to sit. I don't know. But you do know. Yeah. Sometimes you do know. You just we're just a bit like you know. Oh, we don't want to say. We don't want to. We don't want to push ourselves forward. We don't want to big ourselves up. Yeah. So we don't. We kind of hold back. But but I think if we are going to get the most out of this period of time where God is speaking to us about the gifts, we need to be. We need to just be honest with ourselves and with others about what what we believe God has given us. We mustn't on this be polite. Be good for us to be clear and to be confident about what we believe our gifts are. Secondly, this is one of the ways that we know the gifts that we have is the affirmation that comes from others. You know, so I'm talking to someone this and they said, oh, I said, I think you have this. They said, oh, I felt that. I've wondered about that. The affirmation that comes from others. Sometimes we need to affirm the gifts that we see in others. And when it resonates with you, that's the thing. You know, so, so there, I was, there was a word. I was in a meeting yesterday. There was a word brought, a, a word brought for me. And the moment this lady said it, I thought, oh, that resonated in my spirit. And I thought, oh, yeah, it resonated. And we're in a season where we're looking at, we're praying for each other and we're praying for ourselves to know the gifts that we're, God has given us, to be exercising those gifts. Not only here in the church, but in the world around us. And that when you get into group this week, that you're going, OK, let's let's really talk about the gifts. What gifts do I have? What do you see in me? What do I see in me? Let's be open about it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our groups became hotbeds of Holy Spirit activity, praying and prophesying over one another, encouraging one another, interceding for others, using the group to help identify the gifts so that we get to the point where we are very familiar and very comfortable in operating in our gifts and that we can do that. You know, Nick's testimony of Lally is, this woman was very soft. She seemed to know where she was going. She seemed to know what life was about. And that became a bit disconcerting if you don't have that. Now, that isn't presumptuous on Lally's part. Oh, I must make myself be very confident when I see this guy. No, it was, it's the Holy Spirit. You can be like that. Some of us aren't. We're like, oh, no. Well, you know, I've got to be humble. You've got to be humble. But Angela was saying you've also got to know who you are. Yeah, you have to know who you are. And you have to be confident in who you are and who God has made you. And you have to, and, and, and that, that in itself is attractive to people who don't have that. Yeah. Do you just see it in that discussion? Nick, self-assured in the world's eyes, does his thing back and forth, back and forth. Meet someone who knows Jesus and suddenly he's undone. Yeah. It's not like she's trying to share the gospel necessarily with him and, and pointing out Jesus and uh, let me take you to this passage. No, it's not that. It's just her life. He's undone. Oh, there's someone who seems to know things that I don't know. Yeah, I was talking to on, on Monday. You remember we had the acoustic night, which was wonderful. Well done to Josh and Ruth. It was wonderful. <laughs> we, we, it's a great evening. And, and what, what's great about it is... We're there in this pub, it's a bit dark, it's a bit whatever it is. And you've got people who, in effect, are just sharing their testimonies through song, through spoken word. And you've got loads of people there who don't know Jesus, who are kind of listening in, thinking, what is... And, and we had Isaac there on, on, on Monday, and he was brilliant. But 
the way he described his walk with God, you would have thought, oh, my goodness, this guy seems to know something that I don't even know about. There was a confidence in him. He's talking about someone as though they're the best thing he's ever met. And obviously it is. But there's that kind of self-assured confidence, which is not based on the fact that Isaac himself is a very confident guy. Because if you meet him, actually, he's a little bit, he's very opposite of that. But in, in the faith that you have and the God that you know, that's where your confidence comes from. And if you operate like that, people will notice that. You won't need to go around thinking, oh, God, can you give me a divine opportunity? People need to. No, no. If you are who you are in God, people will want to know. And I was talking to my friend. I brought a friend on Monday from 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 a badminton group. And uh, um, and he said, and I, I don't know, we were just talking. I was talking about Pauline. Yeah, I do talk about Pauline. I talk about Pauline. And he, and I remember his comment was, wow, I've never I've never felt that way about someone. Never, never had, and I, I, so I was a little bit never felt that way about someone. And I'm, I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him because one of the things that he needs is to know God, and he can feel that way about someone, one day. So in our groups, we're gonna, we're, we're not gonna be sort of reticent in speaking about. We're not gonna be polite. We're gonna be very confident in how we speak. We're gonna affirm the gifts of others. Maybe one of the ways you can do this is maybe you should write down the three gifts that you think you've got and let other people write down gifts that they think you've got. And then you can talk about it and pray about it. You're equipping one another for it and then begin to exercise those gifts. Okay, so we're just going to pray because we don't have time to do much, but I don't feel guilty about that kind of not having the response thing because in your groups, you're going to do all the responding that you need to do. Is that okay? Okay, so let's pray. Why don't we stand together? We're just going to pray to finish. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.